like as we said, like newbie gains, you can't you can't really avoid them. They're going to happen. So if you're new to lifting, um, then most likely whatever you do is going to build muscle. I don't care if you're doing all sets of like one to three reps. Um, that's pure strength. You're doing work. You're you're stimulating the muscle. The muscle is going to grow. But when it comes to like getting super jacked or like building muscle to an extent that it is creating bulk on you that's going to weigh you down from climbing, I don't think you're ever going to worry about that if you're doing lower volume training. Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. All right, we are back with another Q&A. Uh, still no Travis in the building. If you guys listened to the last podcast, uh, we had some cold flus going around, un-COVID related, and uh, it took me out for a little bit, then it took Travis out for a little bit. So uh, we were backed up, didn't get through all of our podcasts that we wanted to last week, and this week I am playing catch-up. Um, so that being said, it's Monday. Happy Monday, first and foremost. Second of all, we are bringing you a Q&A on Monday because I love Q&As and we have a lot of questions to answer, which reminds me, uh, guys, you have been filling out questions constantly and I appreciate the hell out of it. Um, I've been posting it more on my story. So if you don't follow me, obviously go over there, follow me uh, at Cody.BoomBoom on Instagram. Uh, and I put it on my story and say swipe up and fill out this form. But the form is also in the description of every single podcast. And I think it just says like, click here to ask Boom Boom your question or something along those lines. Um, and it's basically my way of getting you to ask me in-depth questions. So I appreciate the questions you guys send in. Um, thank you. Send in more. So if you're listening to this and you want your question answered, you want special attention for your situation, fill out the form, answer, ask me anything and we'll bring it onto the podcast. Um, otherwise there's no real announcements for today. Um, I had a bunch of announcements on the last episode, uh, today, Monday, we're just going to get right into the value right into the content. Um, and we're going to start with a question from Billy Ryan, the man with two first names. I don't know why I love saying that so much. I have a client named Joe Mike Paul. Shout out to Joe Mike Paul. I know you're listening to this. Uh, and I always say that the man with three first names, but, uh, Billy Ryan says, I am a bodybuilder and have been training for nearly 17 years now. Well done, man. I consider myself an advanced trainee and recently had issues with feeling off. Blood work showed rock bottom ATCH in aldosterone. Sorry, aldosterone. Aldosterone. I butcher hormonal names so much, it's insane. So, blood work showed rock bottom ATCH in aldosterone. Cortisol and DHEA levels are normal. I've added more fats and cut back substantially on my volume. That said, how would you periodize strength training for someone recovering from adrenal insufficiency when hypertrophy is the main goal? Thanks, and I love the show. Great question, Billy. Um, I'm assuming you're handling uh, the rock bottom levels of these hormones uh, and the in the the negative things that you saw in your blood work. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to 
give you too much feedback on that. What I will say is as you're doing that, I would probably try to add some sodium back into your diet if you're not. Um, some of these things are going to, I mean, if you if you look up, I don't know how much research you've done. I'm assuming anytime somebody does blood work, if you get anything that has a red flag, you should probably do your own research on it so you're more well-versed in the topic. Um, but as you know, you're going to have some uh, issues with sodium regulation based on those two things, most likely. Um, but we also know, too, like sodium levels, uh, especially for people who are training hard, they influence the nervous system, they influence the thyroid system, they influence a lot of things that are going to um, affect uh, the way your adrenals end up working, right? So if your nervous system smash, if your thyroid smash, your adrenals are probably going to take a hit slowly too because cortisol is going to keep going up, um, especially if you're training super hard. So one thing I would definitely do is add like some pink Himalayan salt, like 30 minutes before you work out, slam down a little bit, half a teaspoon, something simple, and then just sprinkle uh, some. You don't have to measure every single meal, but sprinkle some on your meals because that will help your nervous system, your uh, your thyroid. It's going to help your metabolism. It's going to help getting muscle pumps. It's going to help avoid cramping. It's going to help hydration in the muscle. So um, sodium is one of those things where I see a lot of people neglect, um, and it can cause some of this. So so make sure you're, you're focusing on that. Um, you've also said you added more fats and cut back substantially on volume. And although I agree with cutting back on volume, I wouldn't be as worried about adding more fats. Now, I can't really say for sure because I don't know where your fats are. If your fats were extremely low, of course, I would agree with that. And in general, if you have any type of hormonal issues and you're on a really low fat diet, that's probably one of our first moves that we're going to increase up. But a lot of times when I see people with any issues pertaining to the adrenals, um, I'm probably going to add carbs simply because carbohydrates are going to fuel performance, they're going to fuel recovery, they're going to they're going to blunt cortisol, which you said you didn't have a cortisol issue, um, but they're going to blunt cortisol, blunt stress, manage stress. They're usually going to help. So I see that I've seen this a lot of times with like, not as much now because I think the, I, actually I shouldn't say that, I still see it, but I saw it a lot more about a year or two ago um, before there was a lot of awareness on controlling intensities in CrossFit. And I would see people who were just smoked. They were just smashed from an adrenal perspective and a central nervous system perspective because they were doing so much high-intensity work. And a lot of times what I did with them was the same thing I would do with you. I'm like, hey, first and foremost, let's incre increase carbs. And I usually do that before I even decrease volume, um, mainly because of an adherence standpoint. I'm like, hey, if you want to train this much – then we're going to have to increase carbs. And it was easier for me to talk people into increasing carbohydrates than it was to talking them into decreasing training frequency, volume, or intensity because they love to train. That's what they do. So um, for that reason, I probably would, my first thing would probably be increasing your carbohydrates and I would probably do it throughout the day. So if, if I'm not saying, hey, add 50 grams of carbs to your dinner. I'm saying, hey, add 20 grams of carbs to every single fucking meal. Right, And then after a couple of weeks, see how you do, add, add another 10 to each meal, then another 10 to each meal until you get a good serving of carbs in every single meal. So you're kind of constantly um, using insulin to help uh, manage cortisol and stress levels and sufficiently support your adrenals. So um, that, that's probably where I would go with that uh, from a nutrition perspective. Uh, now, like I said, you added more fat. So if you were on a low-fat diet, then by all means, bring up fats. But usually in this circumstance, unless you're on a really high-carb diet, which I would, would be surprised that you're having any issues with your adrenals if you are. Um, and if you are and you're on a high-carb diet, then we do need to look at training, um, which you said that you have lowered volume back quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> that's basically the best thing you need to do. 
you know, you can also, one thing I would consider doing is, is spending like a block of time focusing on not high volumes, uh, but more isolation and accessory work for a solid three months, like three full four week blocks or four full three week blocks. But what you would do is you could still have a squat in there. For example, you still have your compound list for strength, but instead of a barbell squat for five to eight reps where you're going heavy, maybe you do a front squat and you're doing segmented front squats. So a segmented front squat would be you stop a quarter way down, halfway down, at the very bottom, quarter way up, halfway up, all the way up. So you're taking these pauses throughout the range of motion. Uh, and what that does is, is obviously limit how much load you can put on the bar which so does doing a front squat versus a back squat in the first place. Um, but now we're controlling volume through load and we're controlling intensity uh, with still increasing effort. So like your effort's still there, your heart rate's still going, it still feels very challenging. So mentally and physically, we still have that intensity of effort, but we can limit the load and we can limit the volume on our body, which is gonna help. Uh, so all of your compound lifts end up being uh, specialty variations that limit the intensity that you are able to produce in that compound lift. And then for the rest of your work, you're just doing isolation and accessory work. So like instead of doing like squat and then leg press and then leg extensions and then walking lunges, maybe you're doing front squat, segmented front squats. Then you're doing, uh, like single leg, leg extensions. Uh, and then you're doing, reverse lunge and a step up, just body weight for high reps, and then you're doing calf raises and abs, right? So we're taking out some volume, but we're also changing the exercise we're doing. So a walking lunge with dumbbells is going to be way more fatiguing than a reverse lunge step up with just body weight, right? Still fatiguing, but not nearly as bad. And you're working on movement patterns. Uh, single leg leg extension is going to be far easier than doing leg presses or even heavy leg extensions. So you're just kind of tweaking things to lower intensity. Um, so it's not just volume. Yes, you should vo lower volume, but you also need to lower what you're doing within the volume you're doing. So your intensity needs to lower a little bit as well. Because even if we look at CrossFit, like the reason CrossFit is so fatiguing to a lot of people is not necessarily because of the volume, because sometimes people get burnt out and they're not doing a high volume CrossFit program. They're doing high intensity. So it, it's the, the, uh, the effect on the nervous system of being such high intensity with load and effort constantly uh, and their heart rate and their HRV, that that's what really causes the issues with their adrenals and, and their stress levels. But um, but yeah, so so besides lowering volume, I would probably prioritize carbs. I would get some sodium in the diet and I would probably just tweak around your, your exercise selection so that you're doing things that are less demanding of your nervous system. Um, the only other thing you could do is lower volume and that's what you're doing. So if approaching it from like more of like a functional bodybuilding, quote unquote, approach where we're doing a lot of free weights, we're doing a lot of single leg work, we're doing a lot of carries, we're doing a lot of things that aren't super draining because we can't go super heavy, but they improve our movement quality and they still attack a good full range of motion with uh, all body parts. All right. I hope that helps, Billy. If it doesn't, shoot me an email, shoot me a DM. Uh, John, bro, I always mispronounce your name, and I've known you for years. John Arega, Arega, I think that's it, man. You can text me, and you can cr crucify me for, for butchering it again. Um, so I apologize for that, man. All right, so John asks, 
my original goal these next few months, he has two questions. My original goal these next few months was going to be to try and put on some size. But with my daughter being here now, two months old, congrats, brother. And considering all the added stressors that brings, I'm assuming that's not the best idea, right? If so, would you suggest just a maintenance in calories for now? Um, I, I actually don't think that's a bad idea, to be honest with you. I think that fat loss is a bad idea. And I think, I think like strength, if you were trying to like compete in a powerlifting, I think that would be a bad idea. Um, kind of relating to the last question, when we have insufficient sleep, that's when we're going to have more stress placed on our body from a hormone, uh, adrenal nervous system perspective, really everything. And it begins to get harder and harder to perform heavy strength training. I remember when Blakely was first born, and she was just a few months old, we saw the garage gym. I uh, I went back to a program that I really enjoyed years ago that worked really well for me just because I just wanted to change things up. Um, and it, it was a Christian Thibodeau program, which I really enjoy the way he programs. I've learned a lot from him personally through over the years. But it was a full-body compound training program. So basically every single day I was hitting five major compound movements with heavy loads, usually with a barbell, um, 90% of the time with a barbell or a trap bar or something like that. And, uh, I was always staying under five reps on everything. So it was just so high intensity, high load, super fatiguing of the nervous system. And I think I got like two or three weeks in and I was legitimately like the most moody, depressed person I've ever been. Um, it was crazy. And it was because I was so fatigued and I remember my mood and my motivation and, and my attitude just dropping. And I was so confused. So I was like, man, life's good right now. What, what's wrong with me? And I was like, man, I'm training way too hard. So I took a full week off and then I started doing like a, a, a functional bodybuilding approach. So I think, and here's the other thing too, is like, I wasn't in a big surplus. I was probably at maintenance, but if I was in a surplus, I might've been able to handle that a little bit better. Um, and if I was doing hypertrophy work, I think I would have been able to handle it better too. Cause although hypertrophy work can be higher volume, I find that the, the super high intensity work is what really fucks people up from a nervous system or a stress perspective. So I think that's fine, man. I think maintenance isn't a bad idea either, but I also think that being that she's two months old, you, and you have high stress, you might want to go into a surplus cause that's going to help those stress levels as well. So maybe you do go into surplus and maybe you do approach things from more of like a functional bodybuilding perspective. You've ran my programs before, so you know how I program. I believe you're still in the tailored trainer, so you can use some of those programs, um, and go with something like, uh, four day performance bodybuilding, right? Uh, the five day might be a little too much, but the four day would be perfect or four day, um, big four, which is very, very simple bodybuilding program with simple progressions. You could use that and stay in a, in a small surplus and just slowly gain, you know, slowly gain size. And I think you would be totally fine with that. Um, and if you want to stay in maintenance, you can, but I think there's nothing wrong with going to surplus and trying to build some muscle. Um, your second question was the wife and I have agreed to only three days of training per week for me for now, haha. Ha. What do you suggest would be the best way to go about programming with a three-day split that would help, that would still help me keep on as much muscle as possible? Okay, so that changes the dynamic of my answer from the first question. So, three days a week just isn't ideal for muscle growth. Um, I don't care what anybody says. You know, there's a lot of people that are like, no, you just got to do the basics. You know, three days full body. Like, it, it's not. It's not optimal. It's not the most optimal way. Can you build muscle on a three-day full body program? Of course especially if you're a beginner and especially if you've never done it before, but you, and you can most certainly build strength on that. But the truth is, is like 
there's ne- there's like it's very hard to find a study that shows it's not crucial to have a decent amount of volume for muscle growth, right? So I think that you almost have to approach it from a four, five, or six day split when it comes to building muscle if your main goal is hypertrophy. Um, so if you agreed to only three days a week, there's two options that I would go with. I would either say, hey, stick with the maintenance phase, don't go into a surplus, and do three full body program days. Um, I would probably do a DUP style. Like to maintain the most muscle and strength that you can, I would probably literally go uh, bench, squat, deadlift all of those days. So day one would be bench, squat, deadlift, like four sets of five at 80%, so heavy loads. Um, and then you could throw some accessory work at the end, like curls and lateral raises and rear delt flies. And then day two would be bench squat deadlift, six sets of three at like 60% for speed. So now we're going against bands or something like that for speed. And then I'll add some chin-ups, bent rows, and uh, like shrugs at the end of that. So I attack my back a little bit at the end of that day. And then Friday would be hypertrophy. So I might go front squat, uh, incline bench, and RDL, and I'll go four sets of eight at like 70%. So now I'm going hypertrophy based. And then I'd fill the blanks in with some hyper, some accessory work that I wanted to do. Um, maybe that's arms again. Maybe that's delts. Maybe that's more back. Maybe that's like core and carries, or maybe it's metabolic work. Totally up to you. I would just do that. That would be my program. Um, and that's a good split and it will work really well. And then what you can do to add on to that, this is option two, do that exact thing, but add in pump work on the days in between at home with a band. So Monday you do your bench squat deadlift heavy with some isolation work at the end. And then you on Tuesday you spend 20 minutes doing 100 band pull aparts, 100 tricep pushdowns, 100 hammer curls with a band, um, and 100 hip abductions with a band, right? So you just attack your glutes, your your traps and your arms just a little bit. You just get a little pump. It takes you 20 minutes. You crank through 100 reps on all those really easily, doing sets of like 20 to 30 at a time, um, and you're done. And then Wednesday, you have your heavy day again. Thursday, you go on a long walk. Friday, you have your, your hypertrophy day. So Wednesday was speed day. Friday, you have your hypertrophy day. And Saturday, you do more pump work, right? Um, it, essentially, these these pump sessions are uh, – I, I – I've always just called them pump sessions. I know like for anybody who listens to Mind Pump, they're really big fans of this and they talk about trigger sessions. Um, And I think it's a really good word to use for it. But essentially, it's just having these days in between that you're just kind of triggering the muscle to grow. You know, you're just triggering it to respond and you're just triggering it with an anabolic signal to say, hey, keep growing, keep growing, keep growing or maintain, right? So I think if you did three days a week, full body, hard strength like that uh, at maintenance or a surplus with those pump sessions, I think you'd be good. And, and because you only have one day strength, one day speed, one day hypertrophy, I don't think it would be too fatiguing. Claudia Ramirez asks, what's the youngest client you have worked with professionally? I have a client who has asked me to work with her 14-year-old son. I love his desire to get stronger and build muscle, uh, but the poor kid has horrible upper and lower body mobility. Any programming tips would be appreciated. Thank you. Um, Claudia, I've, I've worked with somebody who I'm trying to remember. I, so I worked with a kid, uh, I worked with a lot of high school and in college athletes when I first started, when I was in the gym, because in the summers they came and trained at our facility. And being that I was the youngest trainer, it was kind of like, Hey, like, uh, the, the boss, the head guy kind of helped me program it. And then I led the sessions, uh, whether it was the group sessions with the volleyball team that would come, or it was the group sessions with the soccer team that would come, or it was the individual clients that were playing soccer, football, or basketball, sometimes baseball. Um, and I had one guy named Jesse who, uh, 
still follows me. I still follow him on Instagram to this day. He was a great kid. Uh, he's playing college ball now. Um, he was in high school when I trained him, but he, his dad brought his little brother and was basically like, hey, I, and I think his brother, uh, I'm going to laugh if Jesse's listening to this, but me and his brother got along great because his brother was a little skater punk and I think he was getting into some trouble. So his dad was like, I want to bring him in here so he stays out of trouble. And I'll never forget I was uh, doing some sprints with him, right? And we were doing this drill. Like, he went and warmed up for him, all the stuff. You could tell he was just out of it. I don't know if he was in another world or if he was just tired from school or what. But he goes and lays down on the turf because the drill was, uh, like, lay to sprint. So we used to do these different sprint drills. These are really fun for people listening that like to do sprint stuff. Laying flat on your back, right? And your your head is pointing in the direction you're going you're gonna to sprint. And you're just sitting. You're just laying there. And as soon as you hear the clap... From your coach, you have to roll over into a push-up position, pop up on your feet, and sprint 20 yards down the, the turf. So it was like it's an ex, it's a reactive and explosive drill, which is good for athletes because you can be reactive with them. You can get them working on timing and reaction, reaction time, um, and just a lot of nervous system drive. But then also have to get into position, sp- sprint, pick up speed, and then decelerate because it's only a 25-yard turf. Really, really fun. But I have them lay down. I'm like, all right, wait for my clap. And I walk over and I start spotting. Usually, I'll, like I'll spot somebody and I'll clap. You can hear me clap from across the gym. It was a small gym, but I forgot to clap because I was coaching somebody. I'm taking somebody through a squat, and they're so they're doing their sets and stuff. And I'm like, oh shit, I forgot. So I start walking around the corner. Kids passed out, like literally completely asleep on the turf. I them lay there for a little bit, and then I came and like clapped right in his face and woke him up. But hilarious. Um, so I have worked with some kids. Uh, I've, I've also worked with kids who wanted to be there. <laughs> so I've worked with kids that were between the age of 12 to 15 that did not want to be there, that their parents were making them. And I also worked with kids from the age of 12 to 15 that wanted to be there and were playing baseball and things like that. And most of the time you have to make it fun. So, you know, it, it's, it's crucial that you're getting the functional movement patterns in. So I want them doing goblet squats. I want them doing walking and reverse lunges or split squats. I want them doing assisted or non-assisted chin-ups. I want them doing uh, rows and push-ups. I want them doing these functional and fundamental strength patterns, but you got to make it fun. So your reps, your sets, your timing, all these things change. So like, for example, a good metabolic drill that is also really good for proprioception. It's really good for movement patterns and quality. And it's also good for uh, metabolic work or core work at the end is uh, bear crawl battles. So we would bring two, two athletes onto the turf, get them both in bear crawl position. Knees have to be elevated off the floor. You're in quadruped position. You're holding that position, which is a lot of core. Um, and you have to tap the other athlete on the shoulder. So we have three, it's first to three and we have a timer, right? So now you're crawling and you're dodging and you're moving around trying to get away. And and you can, you can only, you can move a hand or a leg off the ground, but you have to have three points of contact at all times. So if somebody tries to reach my shoulder, I can rotate back and keep that hand planted and I'll be fine. But this was really fun because we throw it at the end. We do it for 20 minutes, you know, sets of three. And we're having these, these kids, battle it out, but they're doing core work. They're doing metabolic work. They're working on proprioception. They're working on their movement patterns and it's fun, right? It's a competition. Who, who's going to win the bear crawl battle? Um, you can also do timed sets. So instead of me saying, Hey, we're doing five sets of 10, I'm going to say, Hey, 50 reps with clean form as fast as you can. Right. And now it's like, okay, shit. I'm like, Hey, here's the load. So I pick like a, like a 10 rep max, eight rep max. And I say, Hey, 
only full range of motion, only good form, as many reps or, or as as fast as you can get 50 reps. Okay, they have to be full range of motion. So pace yourself, right? Maybe do sets of five and break it up, whatever it may be. And we're going to time it. We're going to beat it next week. So now we have these like time challenges. We've done this for chin-ups. We've done this for T-bar rows, push-ups, sit-ups, sled pushes. You can do it for anything, really. Um, but you have to make it a game. Like that's the biggest thing. It's like, how can I make this a competition? How can I make this game? Honestly, screw periodization for kids that young. They just need, like, anything works for kids that young. Like, literally anything works. They are going to get stronger. They're going to get build muscle because they're so malleable and they're pliable and they are new to lifting. So they're newbies and they're so young that you can literally just form them in anything. So make it a game so it's fun. Screw periodization. Just do the work. Do the functional movement patterns and have fun. If you can get them having fun, they will work hard and they will stay in the gym consistently. And that's really what matters most. Um, once they get into teenage years, you can start playing around with, uh, periodization. So once I get a kid that's like 16, if he's really motivated to be there, I'm less worried about games and I'm more worried, like focused on like talking to him, like I'm his equal. So like asking him about like girls at school, you know, and, and obviously it's, it's different maybe in your situation, but for me, that was a perfect way in cause I was t early 20. So I'm young and I can give them my advice and I can talk to them, but it amps them up to be like, man, I want to be like jacked and strong for the, this girl I have a crush on or whatever it may be. And that helps, you know? So, um, it, it depends on the age, but yeah, that young, make it a game. If you can make it a game, it's going to be way easier to keep them going. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this podcast, but I wanted to pop in real quick and shout out my sponsor, Legion Athletics. Legion Athletics is the number one brand of all natural sports supplements in the world. They are naturally sweetened and flavored supplements that are scientifically backed with good ingredients and proper doses, which is pretty rare in the supplement space, to be honest with you. And you get 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. So if you hate the product, which probably won't happen, you can get all your money back. Right now, you can head over to buylegion.com slash boom boom and save 20% off your first order and start getting loyalty points so you can get free supplements in the future. Legion is literally a company that I have been using for years, not only for myself, but also with my family and with all of my clients. They have some great products for sports performance and health, and I really can't say enough about who they are as a brand, their transparency, because they are one of the only supplement companies that actually says nutrition and training is more important than supplements. So they are very honest, they are very science-driven and evidence-based, and they are the real deal when it comes to the top quality supplements that you can get on the market. So once again, head over to buylegion.com slash boom boom and save today. Now, without any further ado, let's get back to the episode. Carrie Archer. Hi, Cody. Just wondering if strength gains necessarily need to equal hypertrophy. I am a rock climber who started listening to your podcast because I found a lot of similarities between physique athlete training and climbing, mostly in terms of periodization of strength gaining and weight loss phases. As a climber, I'm trying to be as strong as possible without adding extra bulk. So usually take your hypertrophy advice and do the opposite. <laughs> but can I really be improving strength, say in my legs, without the muscles getting bigger? Thanks. Um, yes, you can, but not at first. So typically what happens is like, like, as we said, like newbie gains, you can't, you can't really avoid them. They're going to happen. So if you're new to lifting, um, then most likely whatever you do is going to build muscle. I don't care if you're doing all sets of like one to three reps, um, that's pure strength. You're doing work. You're, you're stimulating the muscle. The muscle is going to grow, but 
when it comes to like getting super jacked or like building muscle to an extent that it is creating bulk on you that's going to weigh you down from climbing, I don't think you're ever going to worry about that if you're doing lower volume training. Um, I've actually worked with climbers before and what I, this is honestly, I just thought of this. This is one of the coolest things about being a trainer for so long. I've literally probably worked with every type of client or athlete you can think of. I've worked with the person that just wants to look better for his husband or wife. I've worked with the person that needs to be better at soccer, competitive or recreational football, recreational or competitive, uh, fighting, boxing, uh, wrestling, everything, MMA style stuff, firefighters, police officers, SWAT, teams like everybody like I've got climbers uh I've even worked with somebody who was a competitive ping pong player like they had other goals not just be better at ping pong but that's that's what they did you know like uh so volleyball players like male grown adult volleyball players that are like super tall and just crushing it so like it's it's kind of crazy seeing all the different people that you train over the years as and all the professions and all the interesting stories that you hear but really really cool part about being a trainer Um, But I have worked with climbers before, and typically what I like to do is like a three-day full-body low-volume program. So very similar to what I was talking about with uh, John earlier, except I might not add all the accessory work. So for somebody like you, you might pick like three or four movements and repeat them two or three times a week and just change the rep ranges slightly, but always kind of staying in the speed and or strength range. Um, So stay away from doing high-volume sets, right? So uh, basically say four sets are under, don't go above that. Don't add, uh, like sets per muscle group per week or per day should be like four, right? So you do like, if you hit chest today, don't do chest again today. <laughs> like you do bench, that's it. Right. And then you do back and then you do legs, you do something else. So low volume in general. So I would say 10 sets per week per muscle group is probably ideal. Three times a week is probably ideal, uh, with, um, uh, with lower volume, lower reps in full body approach, you're going to have a, like more strength gains, which is what you're after. And then spend the days in between doing like metabolic work because building your aerobic base is going to help climbing as well. Um, building your aerobic base helps with your stamina in literally any sport, any physical endeavor there is and in just health and immune function. So it's worth it. And then you can add carries to that. So doing aerobic work with like carries for grip and core strength is going to be super helpful for climbing. Um, but if you were doing three days a week, full body, just strength work, no hypertrophy work, staying under at or under 10 sets per muscle group per week, which actually should be really easily, especially for like side delts, you're barely going to get a few because they're just barely getting hit indirectly from your other movement patterns you're doing. But if you do that, man, I think you'd be golden. I would add core work in there too. But, um, to answer your question in a more black and white answer, yes, you can get strong without putting on size, especially if you're not a newbie. If you're a newbie, I would say you're probably going to gain some size at the beginning because anything you do is going to put on some muscle because it's a new stimulus, it's a new stressor, and you're creating that stress that your body has to adapt to and from um, on your body. So it's going to happen. Uh, but after you get some some months and years under your belt and you're not you're no longer a newbie, in the gym, I think you're going to see that you can get a lot stronger without putting on size. And then I've seen this with a lot of power lifters I've worked with or that I know. All right. Casey P. What exercises can I add onto my current programming to help strength, strengthen pelvic floor muscles? I know this is an area of concern for many women, especially those who have, uh, those of us who have had babies. Um, 
there's quite a bit of exercises that you can do. Um, let me see. Like, I'm trying to think of what I did when I worked with a lot of uh, uh, people in person. Like, obviously, there's, like, Kegels and stuff like that where you're you're really working uh, um, the contractions, literally. Um, that's probably the, the most direct um, because if because a lot of people have babies and afterwards like if they laugh sneeze they do an intense deadlift they jump they do anything they'll actually like leak urine um it's very very common so doing kegels can help that um and that really does strengthen the pelvic floor quite a bit that's probably the most relevant one and then there's the obvious like squats still do it deadlifts still do it lunges and split squats still do it main functional lower body exercises especially ones that implement more uh direct tension to your core they're gonna help your pelvic floor as well so doing like a like a front loaded squat with a band around your knees so you're you're really creating a ton of external rotation you're really ripping against that band you're getting your glutes active when you get into the hole quote unquote when you're sitting at the bottom of the squat your, your knees are pointed outward so you actually have kind of like a wide knee base sitting into the squat deeply embracing like crazy that front loaded position makes you brace pretty hard um which is why i think squats are always going to be really good but that that applies to anything um bridges and hip thrusts are are definitely up there that's something i always did uh with people um so usually i would vary this like three times a week right so like a glute bridge off the floor, then a hip thrust, and then like a, a feet elevated, so like a deficit bridge or something like that. But essentially doing hip thrusts or bridges multiple times a week, really focusing on that contraction at the top. Um, those are probably going to be the best like like weighted exercise. Um, and then there's a lot of like core work that you should be doing. Uh, bird dogs are great. Dead bugs are great. Um, certain variations of hollow holds are great. Um, PRI breathing is great. Like so breathing drills are going to be huge. Um so yeah, I think I think mainly it's going to be like kegels, bridges, and hip thrusts. Adding the functional squats and deadlifts and, and things like that that you normally would do anyway, because those will help. Training in general is always going to help. Um, and then for direct core work, you want to do mainly like ones that influence breathing. So dead bugs, bird dogs, or any type of like ninety ninety br uh, pri static breathing is going to help. And you can always do like there's some like mobility drills and some like body weight stuff that you can do um, that kind of stretch your growing and work your adductors and your pelvic floor and all that kind of stuff too. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I can't can't recall what I would call them um, as movements, but um, quite a bit. I mean, if you work the lower body, you're definitely going to be working the pelvic floor. And then I think a lot of bridges and hip hinge based movements. And then the breathing drills are going to be your best bets. Linda Perlman, love your podcast, but you guys never introduce yourselves. I know one of you, not sure which one is Cody McBroom, but who is the other guy? Linda, you must be very new to the podcast. My name is Cody McBroom. That is who I am. Uh, this is probably a, this is a question I'm going to bring back. I, I don't read these questions before I get into this, as you guys can tell. Um, I'm going to bring this pod, this, this question back to the next Q and a when Travis is here so he can introduce himself. Um, but, uh, I think to kind of summarize us both, Travis is my, uh, he's not a CMO because that's chief marketing officer in typical terms, but we would call him that because he's chief media officer or like CCO, chief content officer. Um, 
and that's used differently in, in certain industries too. But like he, he's the media man behind all the stuff. So Travis is who edits this podcast. He is who sets up everything about the podcast from the equipment to the lighting to the, the way we sit to the way we film everything. He's the one that uploads things to iTunes and to YouTube. He's the one that edits all of our videos. He's the one that creates all of our PDFs. He helps me with a lot of the website now. Um, he's help he helps me on the back end and stuff. So like Travis is kind of like the the magician behind the keyboard, so to speak, that that really helps me keep the ship sailing uh, from a media and content perspective. Um, my name is Cody. I am the CEO and the founder of Tailored Coaching Method, the coaching company we run, and I'm the the main host of the this the Boom Boom Formats podcast. And I am a trainer, nutritionist, mentor, and entrepreneur. Um, it's hard for me to put one label on myself because I identify with many things. I identify with a coach more than anything because I think it gives me an umbrella over everything I do. I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a coach, I'm a team leader, I'm an, a mentor to other coaches. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a helper. Like my, my purpose on earth is to help and serve others and to give value in some way, shape or form. And that's really what I live for. I live to try to help others and to try to give anything I can. Like when I, go, when I die, when I'm done on this planet, I want people every single person that attends my funeral or any person who ever really knew me or had any interaction with me to be able to recall one point in time where I helped them. Um, and that's why I'm so obsessed with personal development because it allows me to grow and then it allows me to rub that off onto other people. Um, and that's what this podcast is really about. And, and the way me and Travis actually met is funny. We went to high school together, but we were never friends in high school. Um, Travis was a good kid. I wasn't the best kid, <laughs> so so we didn't didn't hang out too much. Um, and uh, I was a good, I, I was a good kid. I just got into a lot of trouble. Right? I was just uh, yeah, I got in a lot of trouble. We'll just say that I, I just wasn't always on point in school. Uh, but we never hung out in high school. We kind of played soccer together, like we were on the same high school team, but we never really connected um, because we didn't play like directly on the same field at the same time ever. Um, just between JV and varsity. And, uh, Travis was, Travis was more of a golfer, uh, snowboarder, wakeboarder, water skier. Uh, I think I said golfer already. He did a lot of like different sports like that. Um, whereas soccer was my only thing. So I played varsity, so I didn't really get to play with him. Didn't really connect with him. And then years after high school, we went on a bachelor party trip together. So he reached out to me and he was like, Hey, uh, I know we haven't talked in years, but, um, Dustin's getting married as you know. Um, I think he would want you at the bachelor party. So we're going to Vegas. I'm inviting you. Are you in? Of course I said, yes. Went to Vegas, partied with him in a big group of guys that I've grown up with for four days, had a blast, connected with them a little bit there, but not really. Like we didn't really spend that much time together. Um, there either. We still didn't really know each other. And then probably like a month or so after that, he had reached out to me like on Facebook or something. And he was like, hey, like I still live in Antonio, San Antonio, Texas, but I'm moving back to Washington uh, for my job and I need a roommate. Like I, I don't want to like get a little apartment. I'm going to get a house and I'm wondering if you want to move in with me and Aaron. And I was just like, who's Aaron? He's like, it's my buddy. I was like, all right, cool. I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> so uh, at the time I had just broken up with a girlfriend and took over the lease at my apartment. So I was basically like, man, like, I don't want to pay this rent by myself. So hell yeah, I'm down. So I moved into a house with him and this guy named Aaron. And, uh, and we literally became best friends. Like we, 
I mean, obviously you hang out every day if you live together in some way, shape or form. And then every single weekend we would just have bonfires at the house. Um, he was there when I first met Shannon. So he kind of vetted her with me. Um, and, uh, fuck, I remember the first time she came over and she was so disgusted with how nasty our house was. Cause it was just a bunch of dudes living there. And the set, the second time she came over, I woke up and she's like cleaning the house. <laughs> so, um, but point being is, is me and Travis became really good friends while we lived together. We lived together for about a year or so. And, uh, and he watched me start this company. Like he really watched me at the beginning stages of boom, boom performance. Like this is years ago where I was just starting to create a lot of content. I was just starting to find my voice and I was just starting to decide like, you know what, I'm going to build something and go out on my own someday. And he was watching me do this from our house, uh, during the day and the mornings until I would go to the gym and train people at night in the evenings. But one day he was like, hey, can I film for you? Like, you're, you're, first of all, your camera's horrible. Second of all, the positioning's bad. And like, he used to do video editing in high school and college for, like, sports and, and the, the school. Uh, we, they called it Trojan TV. That was, like, we were the, the five Trojans, and they did uh, – Trojan TV was, like, a weekly newsletter via video that all the classes would play on their TV, and it was, it was actually hilarious. We would do videos for it all the time. I was, I was more of an actor in that. But – uh, but he edited it before me cause he was a little bit older than me. And, uh, so he had some experience and he was like, can I, can I show you what I can do? And then like, you know, later on, if, if you like it, you can pay me. I was like, cool. So for like three months, he just helped me out and we were just doing stuff. And then he kind of sat me down and was like, what is your vision? And I told him my vision. He was like, man, like I don't like my job. I would love to help you build this and do all this content for you. And then eventually work for you full time. And I was like, I promise you someday that will happen because this is growing. And years later, now we have a facility, an office space together. He sits down and edits videos basically every day of the week, full time for me because uh, he left his job. And uh, that's how we got to where we are today. It's it's really funny. It's it's, it's a it's a really cool story. It's really it's really fun. Like he spoke at my wedding, and it was cool to hear his side of it. I'm gonna speak at his wedding, and I'm gonna share my side of it. It's just really cool and. Uh, so we're, we're two best friends that, uh, ended up doing a lot of content shit together and now it is what it is. So that's who Travis is. That's who I am. That's who we are together. Um, I'll bring up that again to him so he can answer the question himself, uh, on the podcast as well. But Linda, I hope that gives you a better understanding and I hope you continue listening to the podcast. All right. Today's last question. This is a shorter Q and a today. Uh, the last question we're going to do is Brittany. She says, what do you feel is the best way to educate your clients about nutrition, verbal communication, or do you send them reading material? Um, I typically prefer verbal communication, you know, because there's nothing more annoying. Like if I hire a coach and I'm like, Hey, like, for example, I hire a coach. I'm like, Hey, like, what are your thoughts on nutrient timing? Here you go. Read this article. That's, that's my thoughts. Like, bro, like, I want you to tell me what your thoughts are for me. Not a 4,000-word article you wrote for somebody else that you're just passing to me so you can save the time of having a conversation with me, right? So, and I don't think there's anything wrong with sharing articles because a lot of times I will explain things to clients in video format. So I'll shoot a screen share video and I'll explain things to them over the camera um, and or write it out in an email. And then I'll say, hey, check out these three articles if you want to dive deeper into the science and you really want to spend some time reading on this topic. But before I even do that, I'm explaining things to them in their scenario because I think, you know, nutrient timing as a topic, quote unquote, is different than nutrient timing for Brittany, right? What's Brittany's goal? What's Brittany's intake? 
What's Britney's lifestyle like? What's Britney's schedule like? What's Britney's training like? When is Britney's training? So if I can change the the question from what do I think about nutri- nutrient timing to how would you implement nutrient timing for me? It's a completely different context. And I don't have any content out there in the world on that because you are your own unique individual. So in my opinion, I think that the best way to go is verbal communication. I think like really trying to uh, explain to people what the process is for them individually and give them some education on the general topic. So if somebody, again, nutrient timing, if somebody asks me about that, I'm going to shoot them a video. I'm going to explain what nutrient timing is, when it is important, why it's not always important, and then how it imp- it's implemented to them and explained to them. And I think that's really educating their client because, you know, science is one thing, interpretation is another, and then coaching is another. There's three layers to this. So for me to just give somebody the science and the definition doesn't really do justice. But instead, if I can tell them what the science is by defining this, and then I can change uh, change the, the narrative to be more about like, how does this apply to you? And then like, when is it important? When won't it apply? How to adjust it? So on and so forth. Now it's a completely different game. Cha- it's a game changer. It's a completely different thing because I took the science, I interpreted it, and then I applied it into coaching. So there's the, this is why there's like researchers, there's reviewers and or interpreters, and then there's coaches, right? And the coach's job is to go through the interpreter or reviewer t- to get to the research, right? Um, sometimes researchers and reviewers are the same, like uh, Brandon on our team, Dr. Brandon Roberts, he is a researcher, so he actually conducts research in the field, uh, but he also is a research reviewer for Weightology, James Krieger's uh uh, monthly research review. He's a part of that. He contributes to that. And then he also reviews research for our audience and our team. And then our coaches take that and interpret it and teach it and coach it to their clients. Um, so I think the best way to educate my clients, honestly, on nutrition is is verbal communication and video. I think sending them emails is fine too. Like I, I, a lot of my content or communication is written as well, but it's in-depth writing to them. It's not just linking videos or uh, podcasts or blogs that I've written and or created in the past for the general audience. Um, although I might send that to them after the fact, I'm always going to narrow it down to them specifically because I think that's more important. All right, guys, that is a wrap. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it as always. If you love this podcast, please do me a huge favor. Leave a five-star rating review and make sure you take a screenshot and post it on your Instagram story so I can see it, I can thank you for listening, and then I can share it on my story. And until next time, I'll talk to you later. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more again to get you better results. The second thing, Head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the nutrition hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing. 
This is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at Cody at BoomBoomPerformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here, and I'll see you next time.